One in two women wear the wrong foundation. Which one are you? Get on the better looking side of those odds with Il Maquillage. Using AI, Il Maquillage virtually shade matches you to the perfect foundation. Their foundation has over 50,000 five-star reviews thanks to its luxe lightweight formula. And with 50 shades, there's a flawless finish for everyone. Take the Power Match quiz to find yours at ilmakiage.com slash quiz. That's I-L-M-A-K-I-A-G-E dot com slash quiz. Consequence Podcast Network. This is the Album of the Week series presented by Consequence of Sound Podcast Network, a weekly series that features an in-depth discussion of the week's most topical release for albums. I am your host, Dedrick Hendricks. This week, I'm going to be joined by Michael Rothman. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter. I'm at DC Hendricks. And give Michael Rothman a follow on Twitter as well, at Michael Rothman on Twitter, 2Fs. Look at him as the head man in charge. He's our, one of our editors there at ConsequenceSound.net. He's joining us today because he has an awesome review up at ConsequenceSound.net on the Smashing Pumpkins new album, Shiny and Also Bright Volume 1, the reunion album that I'm looking forward to digging into. This is a group that I got to see live for my birthday, actually. August 17th, I got to spend my birthday with the Smashing Pumpkins and chose it for a reason because I'm a big Smashing Pumpkins fan. So this is this podcast is perfect for me. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into what Michael thought of the album, talk about what things we liked from it, the some of the things we didn't necessarily like. Although I will admit early on it was kind of hard to find anything we didn't like, honestly. It it was it was a really good album. It was short too. Uh, which makes it even more difficult to find out what we don't like. Um, I know that was kind of something with the Greater Van Fleet album that was that I struggled with. When albums are short, I still struggle sometimes, admittedly, you know, finding things I don't like. But there were a few things that I didn't like, and I want to dig into what Michael thought as well. We're going to talk a little bit about, um, obviously, as I mentioned, this is a reunion album that doesn't have uh, one of the original bassists. Uh, Darcy is not on the album. It's a really exciting album, exciting times for the Smashing Pumpkins, and I think they really delivered with this album. But let's go ahead and dig a little bit deeper into it. Let's go ahead and bring on Michael Rothman from Consequence of Sound to dig a little bit deeper into the new Smashing Pumpkins album, Shiny and Oh So Bright, Volume 1. Michael, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, you know, this is uh, an exciting day for me. Smashing Pumpkins are one of my favorite bands, and this is a reunion album. I mean, this is the real reunion album from uh, the Smashing Pumpkins, or at least 75% of them, and, I, you know... Uh, Dedrick, I can't thank you enough for having me on. This is exciting for me. This oh, is exciting. I'm I'm just as excited as you are. This is a this is a band that I'm a big fan of. As a matter of fact, I seen them live for my birthday this year. Um, I spent my oh, birthday. Nice. Yeah, I got to see the reunion uh, tour down at in Indianapolis at Bankers Life Fieldhouse where the Pacers play. And I spent my birthday. Literally, they performed the night before my birthday, so I was celebrating uh, to see this new band. An absolutely phenomenal show. Um, rock rock music is back. You know, it, it's been it really is, yeah. It's been lost for a while, and that's something that you mentioned in your review that I really want to get to. So let's go ahead and let's get started. Shiny and also bright, sure. volume one. All right, what it what, what what was your initial you know reaction to going into listening to this album? Obviously, a lot of people have their opinion about it being seventy five percent of the reunion. A lot of people don't like that Darcy's not in, but what was your initial reaction to going in and listening to the album? Well, you know, they released the single Solera sometime earlier this summer, and I got to say, it was one of the more disappointing singles I had heard from the band, uh, you know, even post Machina, mm-hmm. just because, you know, even if they didn't have James Eha 
involved. I still feel like Billy Corgan was able to make like a heavy rocker um, work on like Zeitgeist and um, even on you know Oceana. Mm-hmm. And I, for, for for me, I just this just felt like the kind of the end of the line uh, for the the heavy rock songs. Like you know, I feel like they wanted this to be like a bullet with butterfly wings or like a a zero to kind of capture that sort of nostalgia that a lot of people are going into with this reunion tour. And for me, it just felt so boring and, 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 and lifeless. And mm-hmm. it's not a bad song. It just was, it wasn't what I was expecting from this band when they came back all together. I just felt that it was going to have a little bit more of a punch because I mean, one of the first tracks that um, we got to hear uh, from uh, when they, you know, quote unquote reunited with just him and Jamie and Chamberlain back in 2007 yeah. was uh, Tarantula. And I thought that song was far more superior to this one, um, even though I had problems with that one too, just because of the production. And I just felt that they were trying a little bit hard, but so I was a little hesitant and I, I actually didn't get to catch them on this reunion tour. Oh man. Unfortunately. Yeah. We, I just, it was, the timing was really bad for Chicago for me. And, um, so it was a bummer and they played two nights here. So I, I it was, it was definitely like, what was I doing? Like, I cannot believe I, I couldn't go, but it did, things really did change though when they released their you know the second single Silvery Sometimes Ghost because for me that was when you know I felt the heart I felt the 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 kind of um the the kind of gothic poetry that Corgan's really just made a name for himself and you know one of the things I I point out in the review is just I think that they can do the soft and melancholy uh so much better than they could with any of the heavy stuff. And I think that actually is something that they were doing towards the end of their initial run. Uh, Cause if you go back to like the door, which is my favorite album by them. And, yes. and I think it's just so good. <laughs> and it's a, it's a very softer album. Yeah. And, but like every song on there that's soft and tranquil and, and melancholy or moody is so superior to some of the heavier stuff on there. And um, so that was really my like, okay, this is, we got something going here. So that was when I was started getting excited for this album again. Yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because everyone, everyone talks about melancholy. I know that had the big hit songs on it, but I'm glad you brought up a door as well. That took me back. I was like eight years old when that came out. And that was like, <laughs> that was like one of the first rock records I listened to. So yeah, man, uh, good, good time travel there. Um, but yeah, I, cause it, it allowed you to like, there's something about that album that really just, you know, it wasn't. They were without Jimmy Chamberlain on an album because it was more of like electronic drumming, and I loved the kind of move into the flood-produced uh, sort of electronica, mm-hmm. um, moody gothic overtones that Billy just really went into on that. And you know, that was something that I felt that they were they really expanded upon with both Machina albums, and I really love the Machina albums. I really don't understand the kind of hate for that um, those albums at all. It's it's actually one of the more baffling. Um, backlashes that I've ever really witnessed uh, in rock and roll. Because I remember when it came out in 2000, and and for me, that was, in terms of modern rock, mm-hmm. 2000, 1999, it was just some of the worst modern rock out there. And so this felt like a gasp of you know fresh air. Like, I was like, oh, okay, they're, they're still doing it right. And everyone hated it. And I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, well, I, I, don't, I, I just it still, it just baffled me. Everyone doesn't go in listening to music the same way. And that, and that's the beauty of it. Um, but one thing we do agree on, and I'm, you touched on this as well, Silvery Sometimes Ghost to me is the best rock song of 2018.
You know, if me and uh, editorial director Matt Mellis, we agree too. It's it's number one for us. It's just wow. there's something so heartfelt about this song, and it kind of feels like um, it's in the vein of like 1979 or Perfect or even Try Try Try, and a lot of the stuff that was on Machina that I just really gravitated towards is like this kind of um, emo gothic kid that really grew up loving The Cure. And mm-hmm. it just, it felt like a Cure song to me, or it feels like a Cure song to me. And it, it's definitely my, it's, I feel it's the, the diamond on the album. And I agree with you. I mean, for me, it's, I, I feel this has been a very weird year for, for new rock songs. I think that a lot of um, the, the best rock albums this year, you know, from like, like Miski or mm-hmm. um, there, there's just, there just seems to be a different type of rock that's, that's going on right now that seems to come from the heart as opposed to just going to the fist. Mm-hmm. And I like that. For, for me, that's, that's just something that I've always um, just been really obsessed with, with rock and roll. I'm not, um, I'm not really into like the machismo of rock and roll, so, so to speak. I like it when it comes from like the heart on the sleeve type stuff. I grew up loving pop, you know, Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, it's in the replacements is my favorite band of all time. So it's like when, it, when, they, when you can hit something that, that touches on more than just, all right, I want to get out there and just go nuts. Like it just means more to me and I'm going to listen to it more. And I can't, I can't get this song out of my head. And (laughs) every time I listen to it, I'm just like, all right, I want to listen to this again. And that's a, that's a sign of a great song, you know? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Timeless record. It took me back to the original pumpkin sound that I've been used to hearing, you know, growing up. And that's why it was the big, and I'm so glad they performed that for my birthday too. They did that at the show as well. So I was very excited. Yeah. They gave me a tease at that time. Obviously I didn't know what it was. So I'm like, Whoa, what is this? You know, they did, that wasn't released yet. So I was pumped. So, and then they released it. I'm thrilled that that's on this album. So what else, what else did you enjoy from this album? Before we get to some things you didn't like, what else did you enjoy? Well, I really liked uh, Travels, and I really, really liked um, uh, With Sympathy, because those are two other songs that are very similar to, again, it's just, it, it, it comes from what I come to, it, it comes from the, the place of what I defined alternative to be. You know, I don't, I don't really necessarily think that alternative is just, you know, distortion and downtrodden vocals and all. I, 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 for me, it's, it's got to come from a place where, it sounds. This is going to sound so stupid, but I, it, it's got to be something that almost feels like um, like a good drama or a good rom- romantic, like yeah. sort of melancholy of a romantic comedy for me, and yeah. um, or not even a romantic comedy, just like a good drama, like a like something that that just like, kind of emote with. And yeah. those songs really do it for me. And for me, it's like the, the trilogy on the album is definitely like Silvery Sometimes, Travels, and you know, with Sympathy, and they just really harken back to that. 90s sound without having to be 90s, you know, and that, and that's something that I think is so important about the nostalgia going into this is that, you know, Billy Corgan spent the last 18 years bucking this idea that he had to go back and lean on the hits and do this whole, the, you know, the, the idea for him being a reunion wasn't so much that he wanted to rekindle this old flame. He just wanted to continue. I mean, he said on, he said multiple times over the past 18 years, mm-hmm that he never really wanted the band to end. You know, it just ended because the people that were involved, just it just didn't work for him. And he wanted to do other things that I guess were clashing with what was assumed to be the Pumpkins sound. And I think the fault with that is that, and I try to get that in my review, is mm-hmm. it's always going to be the Pumpkin sound because he's just had such a signature snarl and such a signature voice. You know, even when he was a swan, 
it's a fun sound and it's balmy and it, it's definitely one. It's, I still think it's the best album that he's released um, post Machina, but it still sounds, you could still align that with the pumpkins for me. And I think that the fact that he's able to push himself forward while also kind of connecting to his roots is so paramount with this because this could have easily just been a whole rehash of, well, we're going to do the same old, same old. And I don't really necessarily feel that that's the way. I mean, like Silvery sometimes, yes, it does have those qualities of say perfect and Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, 1979, like I mentioned, but it does seem more in line with like kind of what like the quote unquote indie rock is like today. It it, it seems like a modern indie rock sound, a song. And Mm -hmm. that's great. You know, and, I mean, I, I didn't want another melancholy. I didn't want another Siamese dream. And right. and I think that the best thing you could do with any reunion album is to kind of look ahead as opposed to looking backwards. And that's something that, you know, if you go back and look at some of the greatest reunion albums, like, for example, like Dinosaur Jr., who is just one of my favorite alternative acts, like mm-hmm. when they came back in 07 with Beyond, or maybe it was 06, I think it was 06, but when they came back with Beyond, it was heartfelt there was sentimentality to it there is a little bit more focus on the, the the vocals and the lyrics and for me it's i actually like it better than anything that they that came before and so and that was a reunion album so yeah. you know for, for me it's like it, you got to go for it and i think that's what he he does here and it's only when he kind of starts trying to lean on, on past triumphs you know like the like the heavier single that that made the pumpkins so ubiquitous across america in, a, in the world, actually, um, is when he starts to kind of stumble for me. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for thanks for bringing up uh, a, a bad memory of mine. I rubbed it in earlier that I got to see the pumpkins. I rubbed that into you. And then yeah. uh, you, oh, bring, yeah. you bring up Dinosaur Jr. And they came literally to my city. I wouldn't have had to go anywhere but down the street. And uh, you brought up Beyond, which was out in 07. I was in high school. And uh, yeah. they were here, and I didn't. I didn't make it out. So thanks for that. Uh, um, that that's my pay. <laughs> that's my payback for pumpkins, huh? Well, you know, it, <laughs> it, it happens. And it, the, the thing is, is that all these acts, the, fortunately, are all touring still. I, I the the missing that missing a concert is could be a real thorn on the side when it's <laughs> something so rare. Like I, I just recently missed Phil Collins when he was here in Chicago, oh, also, no. and I had been waiting forever for him to come back, and I can't believe I missed. Oh him. no. Yeah, and, and who knows if he's going to tour again. I, mean, I feel like he's, he's at the, that age now where he's like, I'm done, you know? So, so some, it happens. I think everyone has that sort of, that one concert where they're like, oh, shit, I cannot believe I missed that. Yeah, it was Dinosaur Jr. for sure for me. Um, but you yeah. mentioned something in the review that I really want to point out because you definitely might be on to something. You mentioned Travels. You wouldn't be surprised if that was something that was dug out of their archive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, you know, it, it's specifically for Zwan, you know, because the, the thing with that song is that it has that sort of punchy, um, sunny vibe that, that Zwan really embellished upon. And, you know, when he did Zwan, and I, God, I think it's 03, it was you know, Mary Star of the Sea, that was a big departure for him because it, it, it was 
you know, it, it still sounded like the pumpkin just because his voice, again, it's like if you put Axl Rose in front of every band and he's running ACDC, but it sounds like, it, it sounds like Guns N' Roses covering ACDC. <laughs> um, and, and for me, it's the same thing with Corgan. It's like his, his, his snarl is so signature and his voice is so signature that I, I, I feel, I, that's why I say like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was because it's so happy go lucky. And so it's not as melancholy as the other ones. It does feel as if that he could have just dug this out of his archives for that out, that band and used it for the pumpkins at this point. And I, and I'm fine with that because again, it's like, it, it, he's always been like the principal songwriter and if he wants to take that turn with the pumpkins, I would have been fine with him doing that post machina for with the pumpkins, like instead of having to create a whole new band, you know, I never really saw Zwan so much as this grand departure for him. I always decided, Oh, all right, well, he got new people and um, he's kind of doing his own thing. I don't know why he just couldn't do this with the pumpkins. And, um, <laughs> you know, and so for me, it's, I, I it, it just seems of that era. And I love that album you know, it's just such a, it's such a good, uh, feel good album. And for me, it was just kind of nice to see that vibe come back again. Absolutely. And another one that we kind of agreed on that I wanted to touch on as well, before we get to what you didn't like, uh, the, the one we also both enjoyed with symphony sympathy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, what's great about this and something that he's done with, uh, the past few pumpkins albums is that I'd say zeitgeist had, a lot of obvious singles on it, you know, um, that's the way my love is, right. uh, which is, which wasn't, uh, a, a Led Zeppelin cover. Um, it, it was that song and like tarantula and doomsday clock. And like, you could tell that they were obvious singles. Right. And if you listen to the album, you're like, all right, this is going to be a single boom, take it, go for it. But the, the, the albums after that, like Oceana and Monument, monuments to elegy and even the American Gothic EP, um, they just, they didn't, they were good. A lot of them had really good songs that weren't necessarily singles. Like Oceana, I think is the strongest front to back out of the out of all the other post um, out of the Zeitgeist era albums. Yeah. But there isn't a single on it, and um, and that's but that's fine because I think at that time that he was in it, he wasn't really too worried about the the singles, so to speak. But this this one feels like it's another they all felt like kind of like they were like middle tracks, mm -hmm. so to speak. Like, like if they were on any of the albums back in the nineties, they would have been like wedged in the center or towards like this, the latter third of the album. And that's what this one feels like, but God, it's so good. It's, it, it just feels like one of the stronger deep cuts off of one of the older records that you would have, that you kind of used to kind of show some, you know, cred. <laughs> like, you'd be like, yeah, I know this album. This is this, this deep cut is really good. And people, are, oh, what what song is that? I haven't heard it on the radio or whatever. <laughs> and and that's what this one feels like to me. And and, and honestly, I love how it's it, it just kind of lets Corgan kind of jog a little bit on on the track. And mm -hmm. that's something that he just used to do all the time on multiple tracks on on um, Sign Me Dream or Melancholy and, and especially Melancholy. That's filled with them. But um, I love this one is the one I really feel you can kind of get the the eha presence mm -hmm. because he does this, this thing with the rhythm guitar mm -hmm. that is so, um, it just, it's like, the, it's like the soul that was missing from the punk. Yes. Yes. And they, at the live show, Corgan actually let James play. He had his solo. He, he let him play mm -hmm. some of his solo stuff and he, he played for like 
I mean, probably like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. He, he just let him take over the show. And I, I felt like um, he let him do that a little bit on this album as well. And that was another thing that I really enjoyed. But let's go ahead and get into a couple things that we didn't. It was really hard to find anything I didn't like, honestly. I had to put yeah. a lot of my my Pumpkins fanboy aside to try to find something I didn't like. Um, Marching On didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, it, it was I, I didn't skip it necessarily, but it just didn't no. really do a whole lot. You mentioned the first single that we both didn't like, and I also felt like it was a little short. Um, I, I wanted a little bit more, but what what were some things that you personally didn't like? You know, Marching On was the one that really kind of stuck out to me. Vocally, Oregon sounds great on it. I mean, he, he, he's really just, you know, the thing that, that, that works to even the, the weaker parts of this album is the production by Rick Rubin. And, like, when they mentioned that they were going to connect with Rick Rubin, I was really excited because, I mean, he's not, like, the fixer for, because I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of albums that, that are produced by him that are clearly from bands that saw that he had successfully done something with someone else and they just kind of co-opted him and they were like, all right, well, let's see if we can do something with him and have the magic. But when he can strike a balance with an artist, like he's done it with like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, he did it with the Dixie Chicks, like he's done so, I mean, he's had so many really great albums, um, especially in the rock field that I was really excited when he came into this. And I honestly, I think he might be one of the MVPs on this album because he really kind of saves, um, he brings Corgan back to not the, he was, the problem with like the past few releases for me is that Corgan's always been so front and center. And that wasn't always the case with a lot of the older Pumpkins albums. He right. felt a little bit more embedded in the music. And that was important because what's so great about the Pumpkins that I feel separated them from anyone in the grunge era or the alternative era or anyone in the nineties is that they created atmospheres. They were able to create tangible atmospheres that you wanted to live in, that you really, that you kind of were able to get a little bit more imaginative with. And this album does that for the first time in, oh my God, like maybe 10 or 15 years yeah. since Machina era. And, um, and so even on something like Marching On, which I don't like instrumentally because I think it sounds no. like a, a sleazy velvet revolver song. It's like the worst <laughs> part of rock and roll for me. I just don't like, I just don't like cock rock and I don't like, um, and I, I mean, I love Guns N' Roses, and I love the first album by Motley Crue, but mm-hmm. other than that, like, I can't stand it when <laughs> it's this this over... It, it's just such a... Again, it's like the, the, the word machismo comes to mind. It's just like, what are you trying to prove? It just seems like such a um, like a dick-swinging contest when they start doing these, like, heavier songs. And um, I just... I, I tend to be a little more effeminate, and, like, that's like... I, I just love it when you can kind of... And the thing for the pumpkins for me is that it, it always kind of appealed to that, that dynamic. So when they do this type of song, it's just like, ah, no, fuck this. And like, and it's not necessarily a bad song. I don't necessarily think there's anything ugly or bad on this. Cause there's a lot of songs that are just kind of got awful in a lot of the past few releases that they've done yeah, um, over the last 10 years, but it just didn't feel like the pumpkins to me. You know, it just, it, it just felt too LA. Yeah. Um, sunset I, strip. <laughs> I agree. I, and Solera is another one that's kind of like, uh, that's kind of similar. And this was the this was the works. first this was the first single that was released too. And I'm like, so this is the first thing we get, and I'm just so disappointed. I'm like, oh no, here we mm-hmm. go, here we go again. You know, putting out yeah. they're forcing this reunion, forcing this album out, forcing singles. I and I, I mean, obviously, I'm impressed by the album, but that one led off the album. And I didn't like that one either. 
Yeah, and it, it just felt so uninspired because, you know, had they come out with Silvery sometimes as the first single, I would have been like, oh, holy shit, like, yeah, I know. they're back, <laughs> you know? And Or even, like, or even um, something like Knights of Malta would have been something interesting. But, yeah. like, for me, it was, it just felt so kind of, well, we got this reunion tour coming up. <laughs> we need to throw a bone to the, the audience to know that this is more than just a kind of nostalgic grab. Let's put out a song together. Oh, you know, let's get in the studio. I got this one jam that I've been working on. And they had been teasing this song for months leading up to the reunion, even before EHA was involved or, announced, you know, actually officially announced. And I just, there was a lot of hype going into it. So when it first came out, I remember being on the plane or getting off the plane or something like that and listening to Spotify because I was so excited and then just being like, oh, God. And I hadn't, I didn't listen to it again. I was like, it was the first Pumpkins track. I just didn't revisit. Um, and, and it's, and for me, that's disappointing. But the problem is, is that there's so much ceremony surrounding that song. So if you just listen to it on its own in the album, it's kind of a harmless song. It's like, all right, well, whatever. So it's, right. you know, it's like a rocker that's in the background somewhere. Um, and that, and, and for that it works, but mm. yeah, as a lead off, no, that's, that idea jeans <laughs> yeah i thought i thought it would grow on me you know because you know how that works sometimes you know sometimes oh, you're totally. like yeah i'm not feeling this and then over time you know a couple months later you're like all right this isn't this isn't as bad as i thought it was so, and it just yeah it didn't do it well and that's like what happened with me with um uh with like a lot of the, like some of the latter era pearl jam songs like i yeah. i remember They'll, they'll I'll always get the album and uh, you know, sometimes they'll have some great singles off there. Like I love the fixer that was off of um, backspacer. Yeah. And then I hear the second single and I was like, eh, it's not that good. And then I hear it live and I'd be like, all right, this is actually, I, I'm liking this. And now I, when it, whenever it comes on live, some of the singles off that album, I'm like, Oh, this is a great song. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it grows with you. But yeah, this one is just, this was a, this is definitely like, and I hate always saying it, like, I hate when people say this, but this is definitely like a beer break song for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and get a drink or a present. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's perfect, that's perfect, man. Um, so I can't believe we went this long without mentioning Rick Rubin. Um, was obviously and very involved with this with this project, and I have to commend you. I know you have um, the Losers Club podcast. I know you're a big movie guy, but I loved the for opening line for your verdict. I'm a big Twin Peaks guy. <laughs> So oh, really? abso- oh, oh yeah, awesome. man. Awesome. David Lynch, I'm all over it. So I, I love that. But you know, just kinda what did we learn from this album? Just kind of break down what you put in your verdict. Well, like for me, it was, you know, I it, one of the original uh conclusions I had, because I actually sat with the verdict for a while yesterday, and it was the the problem with um the problem that I had with it was this, I I eventually just went with just talking about how Corgan's last 18 years was very Lynchian in a way because he just kept evolving himself over and over and over again to to no avail. And it kind of felt very similar to um, the whole Dale Cooper uh, journey that he takes in that 18-hour opus. And yeah. I, ironically enough, it's 18 years, 18 hours. And I and for some for some reason, I again, I'm like, yeah, I'm obsessed with Twin Peaks to the point where, like, I, like I'll like i wake up in the morning sometimes and be like, I want to have a Twin Peaks morning, and I'll go get cherry pie or something. It's, it's ridiculous. It's sickening, actually. And my friends all just roll their eyes, and I'm like, oh, there he goes again. But um, for me, it's, it, it felt very similar to just that whole progression of that series, and without spoiling too much, it just it felt like he finally returned, and that, 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 that he had gone through this whole long process, and that this album 
it kind of feels like when Kyle McLaughlin's Dougie character starts showing signs of old Coop again. <laughs> and like Silvery sometimes was that for me. It was like, oh, all right, wow, we're we're starting to get back. And that's why, like, is this is it all, are they all here yet? No, not yet. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that, you know, this is, I, I like the fact that it's called volume one because now I'm really excited for volume two because I feel like, you know, it takes time to reunite. I mean, even, even in like film, it doesn't happen instantaneously. I mean, the big reunion movie, the big chill, mm-hmm. like that, that takes like 45 minutes to an hour in that movie for everyone to actually start becoming friends again. And the same thing <laughs> with like, you mentioned uh, my podcast losers club, like for that, that for that, that story, it, mm-hmm. it, it takes a while for all of them to actually start kind of gelling again. And I think that's the same thing, especially with a band. Like, you can't expect, like, them to all get back together again. And this is really fast. It's not like mm-hmm. something like where, you know, they've been playing for a couple of years and they're getting back in the groove of things. And then they finally decided to do a reunion album. Like, no, right. they, they went into the reunion album and then into the tour. And so I, I, I think that this album feels more like kind of like the stretching for them before they kind of get into what they're really going to be able to do and kind of find and kind of work some of their old muscles again. And, and I think there are enough hints in this album to show that. And the fact that there wasn't a moment where I really, like you said, there, there wasn't really a moment where I'm skipping it, so to speak. Like I, I doubt I'll probably listen to marching on as much as in, in the point, but I'm probably not going to skip it if I'm like walking around or running around or something like that with this album, which is a good sign yeah. because there's a lot of songs off of their last few releases where I was just like, I can't handle this. Like I'm not, I, I can't, I can't do this 10 minute song about nothing. Um, and, and so, yeah, so for me, it's, it was, that's, that's like a positive and that's the best thing I could glean from this album is that they're working out like they're, 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 they're gelling again. And I, the thing that I do wish that they would have done, and this is still something that's baffling to me and baffling to Melissa Ostamar is that why did they just call her up? Like, you know, they, they got, you know, the, the, the new bassist um, to, to come in there. I mean, Billy's playing bass on the album mm-hmm. um, and they got um, uh, a male bassist for the tour. And, you know, I, I know that it's a trope now and kind of a cliche in rock and roll to have a female bassist, but the Smashing Pumpkins really kind of hallmark that for sure. And, um, with, and, 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 I, and I think that you need that sort of effeminate presence with the Pumpkins. Like that's, that's something that always really unlocked the door to me, you know, and I, I think that not having those harmonies and not having just that, that notion that there is that sort of female voice, there is that sort of that, that, that female wash or aura to these songs is, is missing. And I, and I do, I just don't get why they didn't go, they didn't call off tomorrow up because it's just, it's so, she's not, do, she's not doing anything. I mean, and she, they're discussing ideas of getting a whole reunion going, but that's not happening. And, it just would have been so cool. And I, I actually got to see the pumpkins on their machine tour back in a, mm. back in 2000. Nice. And that, and that was when, uh, at that point, Darcy Retsky had, had already left yeah. and, um, Optima was there and her vocals were great. And her, her performance was just awesome. And it added a vibe to it. And for me, it's like that, that's something that still is kind of a thorn in my side about this album, because even Oceana, when, um, uh, I think it was Linda Florentino, uh, she was, you know, part of the band. Yep. She added some really cool harmonies to that. And I just think that some of these songs, especially even like Silvery Sometimes, would just even go through the fucking roof if you had that. And I just don't know why they didn't do it. And I love that Jeff Schroeder they kept because 
that guy has been through, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how much patience that guy has to have uh, to be the under, underling of, of Billy Corgan for the last 10 or 11 years at this point. But I'm glad they kept him. But yeah. I don't know. I think it was a, I think for me, that's something I really wish was in this album um, for sure. I agree 100%. And, you know, and, and that just, you know, we could talk about, you know, Billy's issues. <laughs> Uh, for that could be a whole nother podcast, but uh, we're ju- we're just we're just breaking down shiny, you know, so bright volume one uh, today. So for for the overall grade and essential tracks, I gave, you know, I, I put my fan boy aside because as much as I wanted to, I mean, I wanted to give it like an A, but I I can't. You can, I mean, we're reviewing it, so I uh I gave it a B, um, not quite B plus, just a B. Um, I thought it was very good, very solid project, and we talked a lot about the essential tracks. Um, as long as long as travels and silvery sometimes ghosts, as long as those are mentioned, I'm good with those being the essential tracks. But what do you have as your grade and essential tracks? Hey, you got two of them already, and uh, the other one is with sympathy. I, I oh, love yeah. those three songs, and these are these are three songs that if uh, they're gonna pop them up in like the the set list to come for the next ten, fifteen years, or however long they want to do this. I'm totally stoked because that's the thing I love about this band. Also, it um, that I guess is one of my my more concerns about their arena tours because I think they had a designated set list for a lot of it. But mm-hmm. um, I love when they are able to shake it up, and they do usually on regular tours. Like I think they're going on like a more intimate tour coming up, and I'm really excited to see what deep cuts they 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 um, you know dust off from here. But these are three songs that I am going to go into the show now looking forward to. And that's for me always a sign of an enduring track because I just, and that's so exciting too, for like a latter day rock band mm-hmm. to or a veteran rock band to have something so late in their career. That's, that's, that's exciting. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I, yeah, I can't say that for a lot of bands. I couldn't no. say that for Soundgarden. I couldn't, you know, with, no. when they did, um, with a King animal, there wasn't one song on that album that I would really want to hear uh, when they played live, I could, you know, and and maybe there's one song off the last Pearl Jam album, and they were a top five band for me. So the fact that I got three of them on a reunion album that is coming off of ten to fifteen years of craziness is is uh, is exciting to me, you know. And yeah. um, and and there's a lot of stuff that's really interesting that I want to see live too. Like I mean, like you know, Nights of Malta. There's like this soulful vibe that almost feels almost like Pink Floydian about it, and I, and I, and I know that he's a huge fan of Pink Floyd too, just because he's played these, he's played some obscure covers over the past um, that go back to like the Sinbad age, and I, I'm really excited to see how that sounds live, um, for sure, and I, and I like that he's doing that. I, I think, you know, Corgan's always wanted to be this super big all-time rock star, and you know, he wrote a whole concept album with Machina and Machina Two about it, and. Um, and to a lesser extent, almost melancholy seems to be that way too. And he seems to be there at this point. The fact that he's playing arenas and the fact that he's actually written anthemic tracks that he's really been trying to do, you know, is, is big for me. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's exciting. I, I, I don't think that the fact that he's able to get that and nail it is awesome. Yes, absolutely. And I think, I think they did Knights of Malta at the show. But I think it was towards the end, and by then, I had so many drinks, man. 
So uh, <laughs> so it, it was like uh, I, I think they did do that one. You know, but yeah. so so when I heard it on because when I heard it on the album, when I'm listening to it, I'm like, this sounds too familiar. And so I'm thinking that's what it was from. But again, um, many, many drinks were consumed at that point towards the end of the show. So um, maybe and th- that is definitely one that I would probably include on mine as well. But travel and Silvery Sometimes Ghost are definitely my two essential. What, what was your overall grade again? I haven't I don't got the uh, actual review in front of me. It was a B also. Yeah. You gave it a B. I think, I think a B is fair. Yeah, I think it's fair. I I, I think that you know, it's a it's a solid album. You know, and and it's a it's a short album too. It's only thirty one minutes and yeah. in and out. You know, it's just kind of what I want uh, these days. I don't. I think he's done the long album um, previously. I yeah. mean, he's done it a bunch of times actually. But <laughs> uh, I I only needed an in and out record, and I yeah. and I love that. And I, I love a good thirty minute record, just like I love a good eighty minute movie. So. Yeah, yeah, times have changed. You know, we used to want yeah. the long stuff. Now we're like, all right. 10 tracks. That's enough. As long as they're good, you got to grab my attention. So that, that's how it works. Right. All right. So we, we gave it, a, we both gave it a B overall, both yeah. very satisfied with the new shiny and also bright value one album by the smashing pumpkin. So I got to know, man, I know you're a busy guy. What's next for you? What you have coming up here? Well, we, uh, we got a big, uh, big month coming ahead. We, you know, I'm, I'm a co-host of the losers club, the, yeah. as, as you mentioned, and we just finished it, the Stephen King, uh, epic. And that was, uh, we got two more episodes today. We just uh, dropped the miniseries up, um, and that was a fun episode. It's almost like, it's almost, it was a little over three hours long, so it's a long one. And then um, we're finishing up Halloweenies uh, now that the f- new film's out, and uh, we're going to go into the Rob Zombie films, and then we're going to get excited. We're getting ready for, we're pivoting over to Elm Street next year. So very nice. excited uh, to talk about that. And it's just a more... Just a further expansion of, of horror that we want to try to bring to Consequence of Sound just because it's our favorite genre and it's hot right now. I mean, it's the, <laughs> the biggest resurgence right now. So uh, my life is pretty much all horror and horror movies, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to some albums coming up. I, you know, I'm, I'm jonesing for uh, the Anderson Pack album next, next week, which I believe uh, could possibly be something you're discussing, I, I think. Yes. Uh, if I'm, you know. Big so I, I, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of good releases still still to come. It's been a weird year for music for me. I, I you know, there there are a lot of really good solid releases, but nothing that, with the exception of Janelle Monae, which is still my number one. Yes. Um, yep. I I don't know. I don't. It's going to be hard for me to come up with the top ten right now. I just I, there's because there's a lot of really solid like albums I put as, like in a B plus range, you know, and yeah. that's always terrifying for me because i i'm like well if i have like 30 b pluses what what how am i gonna how am i gonna rank these like this is impossible so i know that yeah, oh, yeah there's there's so many that are around there maybe maybe that's something i'm sure that's something we do at, at consequence right we have like the staff come up together maybe at oh, the end yeah. of the year come up with a little list or something that'd be fun because this is oh, I, yeah. I imagine this will be on there at some point oh <laughs> yeah i think we, we we do a top 50 i i would imagine that this is gonna be somewhere uh, somewhere on there. I, I, I know, uh, I already know what our number one is. I can't, I can't, uh, reveal it. Although if it does change, uh, we still got a few releases coming up. Okay. Um, but, uh, and some sh- surprises, you know, the, the boy <laughs> genius album was, uh, it was a big surprise this week for sure. Um, and, and I, you know, we're still waiting on, um, a few secret releases. I know that mm-hmm. anything could drop, uh, that there's been a lot, a couple of acts that have already started teasing that they're, they're, uh, they're tinkering in the studio. Um, like even just this week, uh, the weekend just teased the, that he's 
working an album and who knows i mean yep. for all we know he could be dropping in something in december and that would really mess everything up so <laughs> you know Hopefully. it would just be it's a little wild i, I it's, it's it's an odd year um and even it, in all verticals i feel i i last year i knew twin peaks was my number one tv show i don't really know what would be number one for me this year i really loved uh and 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 for for film, it's uh, it, I love uh, Hereditary, but who knows? I haven't seen half of the movies that are out there, so it's like, <laughs> it's very weird. It's it, it, this isn't my typical. Um, I'm not on steadier footing right now in November where I, I usually am in previous years. Uh, so I'm, I got I got a lot of catching up to do with pop culture. Well, we got about a, a little over a month to get caught yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, thanks so much, man. Thanks so much, man. No, had a great you. had a great time talking Smashing Pumpkins new album Shiny and Also Bright Volume One. Looking forward to another episode of the Losers Club as well. I'm subscribed, ready to go, and hearing the All rest right. of what you guys got. So thanks for joining me today, man. Appreciate it. No, thanks a lot. I can't wait to talk to you soon. Thanks so much to Michael Rothman for joining me here today on the Consequence of Sound Podcast Network, the Album of the Week series, to review the new Smashing Pumpkins album, Shiny and Also Bright Volume 1. As you just heard, we pretty much both enjoyed it. We both gave it a B. Make sure you guys subscribe to the Consequence of Sound Podcast Network to keep up with the Album of the Week series. Let us know what you guys thought of this album as well, and let us know what you guys think of this podcast. Write us a review and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, everywhere podcasts are available. Just search Consequence of Sound, and we should come up. Smash Your Pumpkin, Shiny and Also Bright Volume 1. I've been your host, Dedrick Hendricks. That was Michael Rothman joining me here to help review the album. Be sure to keep up with the weekly series again by subscribing and give us a follow on all social media platforms to keep up to date with the Album of the Week series on the Consequence of Sound Podcast Network. Consequence Podcast Network.